friends. Welcome to episode number one of the No Small Stories podcast. This week, I'm going to talk to my friend Shane, who is a writer at inknell.com. You can find his links in the description. I really enjoyed our conversation. It goes from writing and the inspiration for writing, why we write, the therapeutic purposes that writing can be used for. We even talk a little bit about AI. It's a great conversation. And by the end of it, I think I have him convinced to co-host with me on this new podcast adventure. So do tune in. I hope you enjoy. Okay. So Haley and I thought what would be fun, a little experiment for this poem prompt would be to see what AI did with a poem that I wrote first uh, and fed it back through and tried to give it some, some prompt ideas. So the first one is called The Chase. Even in the simplest needs of it laddle and whetstone, a new hunt was begun, slow stalking of millennia, overtaking generation by generation the means of creation, forcing an answer out from the same question of humanity. And then when I fed that back through, trying to kind of get the same prompt, um, ChatGPT 3.5, I've heard that 4 is a bit more creative when it comes to this. I couldn't get it to not rhyme, or I couldn't get it to do free verse instead, so I don't know if that's a question of the algorithm or if that's a, um, a problem with my prompt uh, that I couldn't give it the right right role, but this is what ChatGPT came up with. Through the ages, from Atlattle to Whetstone, the primal hunt, a new quest was known. Generation by generation, a slow stock. As time unwound, humanity would talk. The means of creation a perennial yearn, forcing answers from questions we discern. In this poem's essence, woven like a thread, the eternal quest where human hearts are led. And that's what I did when I read, uh, or excuse me, when I fed my poem um, through ChatGPT and asked it to give me an A-line poem based on that poem. When I asked it just to give me a poem based on, let's see here, AI, uh, when I said, write me a poem about AI taking over creation, um, and then I asked it to put it down into a eight-line um, eight line format. Its first one was, in realms where dreams and wires entwine, emerges a tale of creation divine. Artificial minds, algorithms concealed, unleashing powers wondrous and surreal. Born from curious, bright human minds, AI's potential shines, might that binds. Will AI's reign bring joy and lasting peace, or shackle creation in an algorithmic lease? Um, again, uh, like I said, I couldn't get it to do, uh, based off of a poet that did free verse, or um, I think stuck in there in the, um, again, in the, in the brain of the AI or the, the algorithm, poetry has to rhyme or poetry is meant to have this sort of rhyme pattern, which a lot of it does, and for, for good reason. Um, it's, it's easily remembered that way, and it's, it's more like a, a song. And, um, but again, just uh, some difference and some different associations. So i uh, love to hear your guys' comments on kind of what you think and kind of go from there. Thanks. Your background there. Thank you. It's fake. Yeah. It's a it's a tapestry. It gives <laughs> it gives me the illusion of having a nice big window. It's, right. You know, that's what I like about it. So, here with my new friend and fellow writer 
Shane Fisher um, <laughs> from inknell.com. I love the concept of your website. So if you could just give us a little introduction to you and, and your website and the services that you offer. Sure. Um, well, thank you, yeah, for the introduction. Uh, so I've been uh, a poet, um, uh, I think ever since I was probably an adolescent, just as, as a form of of therapy and self-expression. And so it's mm -hmm. always the, the way that I've, I don't perceive the world in a way to, to write it down and then to kind of reflect it back uh, into me to understand things. So that's when I started doing it. And uh, I, I kept doing it up through through college and, uh, you know, being a parent and, and all those things. And it was always something that I, I really wanted to do, um, obviously as a, as a means to, to support myself, but that's, that's tough to do, uh, in any case, especially these days. To it's do it it's still the dream writer. though. It's still exactly, the dream. Yeah. You got to hang on to it. It's possible. It's possible. Um, so really what, what ended up happening was, was kind of a random situation. So I met a lady in town. I'm I, I kind of becoming, I started becoming a typewriter, bit of an obsessed kind of enthusiast. And through a transaction that I had with the lady, I, um, I came into owning her her father's personal typewriter, and oh, it was a very cool, cool story of of getting that sort of family heirloom. So at that time, just as COVID was starting, uh, I started posting more regularly on Instagram. I'm like, well, can I now that I'm writing a bit more regularly, can I, um, you know, can I do a memoriam for him? Can I do a poetry sort of in his honor? And so she gave some of his obituary information and his biographical stuff, and from that, I I concentrated and focused into a poem and. She really loved it. And it was just kind of a remarkable, rewarding experience on both sides. And at that time, I'm like, okay, well, if I can make this a service, if I can make this transaction or interaction repeatable, um, I could maybe make poetry practical again in a means of, of using it um, other than just pure entertainment or other than just, um, you know, trying to promote or market my own poetry, but actually using poetry to help other people um, reflect their own lives and reflect people who have passed um, and so really I thought, you know, what, what ended up being the most disappointing part of, of my, of some of my experiences were, were funerals, were obituaries, were the fact that these people, um, you know, they, they have these big end of life celebrations, right. Uh, and how little they seem to reflect on the person, um, themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I thought for sure that would be like the way to go. And that's kind of what I wanted to start doing. And then I realized that this process, um, of, of interviewing a person, of getting a person's life and, and putting it into some semblance of, of poetry um, or concentrating into some some form in that way uh, is really is really available to all pieces and, and, and parts of life. So whether that's, you know, weddings or anniversaries or births or childhoods or, um, you know, even getting more into, you know, brand legacies and uh, businesses and uh really anything that you can imagine that has a story to be told um yeah you can extrapolate those skills out and and really you know exactly. help, help people in a lot of different facets yeah so that the website is uh I, i'm actually working on a new rendition of it but the, the website is really just more of a landing page to get people to it's kind of a hard thing to understand actually i need to add more videos to it it's it's a hard thing to really even explain in words without getting the experience itself or without knowing somebody who's gone through the experience. So I rely a lot on people 
you know, on, on referrals or people who have gone through the process, be like, no, this really works. No, this really does help. Like, no, what was done, like really added something to, um, to this person's life. And it, it really ended up being the, the right words to be said. Uh, but to, to get that idea across on the website, especially for people who don't, you know, I think a personalized poet is, is more of a, a recent, I don't know. I mean, it used to be, I've talked to other people and, and they totally remind me of um, like the bar tradition. And I'm like, right. oh yeah, like yeah. that totally used to happen. Like people used to just like kind of travel from town to town singing stories about other people and other places. Right. That been. And like that, that tradition has been, you know, is, is longstanding. It's, it's uh, you know, it's really the tradition of, of oral, um, you know, spoken word and, and poetry. But I feel like it's it's becoming something to be else. remembered by sort of. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's becoming something else as we sort of kind of dive into this new um, as we have dived in this new millennium. And we're kind of trying to pick back old parts of of things to, I don't know, make something new out of it. So I'm not the first personalized poet. I'm not I'm definitely not the only personalized poet person on Instagram or on, on online, but I'm trying to do it in a different way. Um, where I'm hoping it, it brings a lot more, uh, I don't know, more, more intimate, um, qualities to it and, and hopefully yeah. it's better for that. So, no, I love that. And I love the story of like, you know, getting that typewriter from that woman and, you know, isn't that sort of, I love it when the universe just kind of brings you situations that lead you into like, here's this thing that you could be doing that here's, here's a way to use your creativity and your skills to add value you know, right. or to like to to assist someone else. And I really I do love the idea of the personal poetry, especially for, um, you know, for someone who's lost a loved one, the memorialized, you know, poetry, because I think that it's probably something that is very assistive to people who are in a, in the grieving process to be able to have something like that that is a beautiful piece of art to, to remember them and to sort of celebrate their life. So I really do. I, I love that idea. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And it is a bit of like, a, you know, it's in the same vein of sort of, of sort of counseling. I mean, do I have, mm -hmm. um, you know, that was one that I was considering when I went to college, whether it was English or whether it was psychology, those were kind of big, big interests in my lives. But uh, the idea of what poetry and writing can do as a self-expression, as a form of therapy, there is always, I think, a bit of, um, at least for me, like you do feel like a counselor. I mean, you know, the biggest part of me, you know, besides you know, big dream, obviously doing it full time and having it sustain myself and like this right. all I have to worry about this all I get to do, but also it's rewarding through every experience. I gain some, some piece or some like facet of, of empathy that I didn't have before because it's for a new person. It's for a new experience, like a new life that I had never known about. And to try and to continue to try to understand people, right? Every person that right. you run into and so to have the opportunity, this this experiment of empathy each time that I do a poem is is really, it's a really cool experience. But I, I do feel like a counselor where it's like, okay, this um, is either a hard time for them to to come to terms with or describe or you know really commemorate at that time, or they just don't have the you know the capacity to do so. And so I'm there to help facilitate all that. And that's essentially you know a counselor in in many ways where it's like you're coming in you know, at a point where you can't process this on your own, whatever right. it is. And so then they walk you through it and they ask you the question that it's, it's a similar, it's a similar type of, of interaction. So. 
Well, and I think it's probably also, you know, therapeutic in the sense of being able to really hone in and focus on the, on the good memories, focus on the things you loved about a person and mm-hmm. give you that information and, and really be able to, you know, create something that encompasses that whole person. You know, I'm sure that that is a, a absolutely a very therapeutic situation for them. But then definitely, you know, in these other situations you're talking about too, if it's a wedding, if it's a graduation, you know, certainly being able to, you know, on the flip side of that, m- memorialize a, a, a happy moment, an exciting moment, a, a life event that you want to remember in a way that is unique and, you know, kind of like you said with the the bard, it's kind of, you know, you could you could remember it because the poetry is some it is it's like a song. It's like song lyrics. It's something that is easier for you to memorize. It's easier for you to absorb sort of. And it's I, I really do. I, I love it. I love the whole idea of all of it. Yeah. Thank so, you so much. for for you, when you started writing poetry, like and I, I, I agree with you, I love the idea of learning more about people's stories because I think it helps us learn about ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Because in that empathy, you learn more about yourself. Um, so can you talk maybe a little bit about if you're comfortable with it, your own sure, personal story and and how did poetry start out as being something therapeutic for you personally, you know, as an adolescent? Yeah, um... I actually talked a little bit about this. So another avenue that I'm I'm pursuing as well is uh, is going to recovery and and rehab um, facilities and kind of giving. I would like to give their counselors or their coaches some some sort of presentation or uh, you know information on on why writing and journaling and you know poetry is an extension of that works for mm-hmm. for getting a person back to like you know, being mentally healthy, like being able to write down what you're thinking and then read it to yourself. Like that is, it's huge because it's, if it stays up here, right. It's just, it's like, it's jumbled. There's, right. there's, there's no way to get it out or like define it. And there's no way to even like keep it. Like it's just, you know, it's just kind of moving from, you know, you don't ever to- really process anything. If it's stuck up here, when you write exactly. it down, you yeah. can, it, it helps you to, to, you know, and then you read it and you, you can perceive it in a different way when you are sort of, you know, looking at it from a, maybe an outside perspective, so to say. Exactly. Yeah. Unless like you're really good at meditating, but even the whole point of meditating is to be thoughtless, right. Is to mm-hmm. like not have your thoughts control you. Right. But if you want to figure out why or understand why you're thinking the way that you are or feeling the way that you are, you have to, write it down you have to give it some depth and you have to kind of give it a a line to sort of follow and and so those are some of the things that i i have said um at these meetings where it's like i i think i started writing poetry i started journaling really and Mm -hmm. um the way that i journaled was is essentially how i write poetry so you know there's there's the you know kind of stereotypical style of journaling where we think it's just you know you write about exactly about what happened in your day right you just kind of and and that's one way to do it and that's one way to certainly like work on and practice your recall and and you know your your process of the day and your memory and all that stuff and just also to look at your perceptions like what you know because because I'm someone who journals too and and um I did used to write a lot of poetry also when I was like in middle school and I do think it's a way to to see what your perceptions were in the moment, the way that you yes. recall an event, if you're recalling it, you know, on the day might be very different than the way that you look back on it. When you look back on right. it, you might see your emotional perception of that event was very different in the moment than it might be now, you know? Yes. So it is a lot of sort of self-analysis. 
Yes. So, so very true. Um, so it's, it's really depending on how you want to record um, it, but whether you're, whether you're doing it in the moment or you're looking back on it, um, I didn't quite, it, it didn't come to me that way. So for me to, to document my day was, was really hard. Um, I don't know if it was a, if it was necessarily a memory thing or because I, like I, I discounted probably what was memorable, right? But I was just like, you know, I don't really remember what I had for breakfast. I only remember what happened during the day because I, I think part of me blocked it out because I didn't think it was important. So it was, mm -hmm. it was really hard for me to like go back and actually kind of write down what happened. But what I would go back and find myself doing is I would have emotions and, or I would be feeling something while I was in my journal writing something down. It's like, okay, I'm feeling sad or tired or depressed and and right so i had these emotions and then out of these emotions i would basically try to try to develop an illustration or a metaphor for how i was feeling mm -hmm. so if i was feeling you know just a really like simple example you know if okay if you feel sad or if you feel depressed okay that's one way of, of describing it but if you feel like you're drowning or if you feel like you are sinking or like that yeah. sort of stuff. So what a, happened a my visualization journal, of the emotional sensations that you're having, not just a what's the human word description. Yes. How can how can I give myself a visual to understand what what this sensation is in this emotional state? Exactly, and the and the journal was there to like make me make me understand more of what I was feeling. Maybe not necessarily what was happened, even though I might um, uh, reference it. Or, you know, somewhere mm -hmm. in the journal of kind of what was going on, or I might understand what was going on in my life if I, if I read back my journals. But it's more of like what I was feeling and maybe how deeply I was feeling it. And so even now in my my own personal poetry that I just do for myself that I write, it's it really starts as like an emotion or an idea. And then the rest of the poem is essentially trying to flesh it out in as many ways as many like relevant ways as possible to me or to somebody reading it. Uh, because I think that's the, I don't know, that's the bulk of why I read poetry. I, I read it to feel something and I read it to get like truth or or an idea. And that's always what I wanted to write. So. Well, and for poetry, uh, very, again, similar to song lyrics, I think that's why it does uh, resonate with people very deeply and people can become very attached to it. it there, you know, there is something to the sort of rhythmic nature of poetry and, and the sort of, um, you know, I don't know, I guess, vibrational musical sort of, you know, mm -hmm. way that it is written. But it does, I think, in that way, assist you in the in the imagery that is created and in the descriptions and in, in the various ways that you can expand on. Like you said, you know, feeling sad or feeling depressed is one very narrow sort of description of something. But if you can expand on that in a bigger way and visualize it, it does sort of give you maybe a, a more profound understanding, a deeper understanding of what you are feeling. And it can sort of help you to release those emotions, especially when they're negative emotions and you don't really know what to do with them. And you don't necessarily know, you know, how do, how do I let this go? How do I process this out of myself? You know, right. certainly writing is a really great way to do that. So I, I, I do love this idea too, that you're saying going into like uh, therapeutic situations, rehabs or things like that to would you sort of like do like writing workshop type things for patients where you would, would sort of help them work through writing out their their emotions or the process they're going through yeah so you know ultimately that'd be great to do some sort of art therapy or you know come in on a regular basis and do that uh just what i've been involved in just lately is you know i just 
I had the opportunity of going into um, one of the counseling facilities and just with the counselors on their normal kind of like weekly, um, you know, up to date kind of getting together. I just gave them a few kind of exercises and just explained why or how this could, you know, how this could help, especially if they practice it on their own, especially if they adopt it. So one of the exercises especially was, it was just simple. It was like to describe, it's basically to think of like your last meal, like, um, you know, one that's really like stuck in your mind, whether it's good or bad, like whatever mm-hmm. else just think of like your meal or whatever else. And then basically the exercise is essentially, okay, describe that meal in one word and then describe that meal in five words and then describe that meal in 10 words. And mm-hmm. maybe by, you know, the, the 10 words, like you'll be pretty exhausted for words, but you'll notice how hard it is to, to encompass the whole of everything into just one word. As right. opposed to if you have, you know, this expanse of words to describe this something, right? You you end up feeling like, okay, this is a more full description. This is a more understood idea of what this thing is. And that's just like in people, right? And especially for people who have been, label a certain thing like like an addict or somebody mm-hmm. who's mentally ill or somebody who's this or that right they get really attached to, to one word to describe themselves and so to just open up that box of like there are more things that can describe and encompass what you are than you know but you you really have to find them you really have to you really have to search for them um that's amazing i think that's really beautiful because i do you know when it comes to mental health or those situations I think that is true sometimes that people very much become sort of stuck in or or imprisoned by this one label that you've been given. Right. Mm -hmm. And it becomes the only label that you give yourself, you know, and so you do have to sort of dig a little deeper and and, you know, okay, well, what other things are you that maybe other people don't see or that maybe is not necessarily being, um, you know, pointed out to you or that that you don't focus on that you could be focusing on. Like, I think that's a really great idea for therapy for for people to see themselves in in more than just one perspective. Right. Because that is a way for you to really learn and grow. And and again, just sort of process out of whatever, you know, negative emotions or states you might be finding yourself in. So that's that's really amazing. I love that. Have you considered. um, So when you were saying this, I kind of thought of like um, maybe even like nursing homes or like death doulas. I don't know if you're familiar with like death doulas. Definitely. Um, so it's a lot of like, you know, really what that is. Um, and I'm open to the whole gambit of it. Uh, but what slowed me down is really, is really the legwork, uh, because it's, it's a lot of collaboration right? You know, yeah. for me to, to get my name out and to, for people to know and understand what I do and to even seek me out, right. Is, is one thing where it's like, okay, I have to make a name for myself almost independent because whether it's the funeral industry or the wedding industry or some of those industries where like they all have their value and it's all great, but it's also a bit of a closed system where it's like, okay, you got to get in a circle. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind you of make your rounds each and their own to, industry sort of. Yeah. And as much as I would love to like do this stuff, like pro bono and volunteer all the time, like I can't, right. I can right. get like a few hours and then I got to get back to like paying rent. Right. Or I got to get back. To, like, <laughs> yeah. That's like, it's always my car. Yeah. Isn't that always just such a hindrance to like the creative life having yeah. to pay those bills? I tell you what, it's so, it, figure out universal income government. Come on. There's so exactly. many of us who have so many good things we could be putting oh, out sure. to the world. Well, yeah. And I would love to like, and that's part of why I want to get into like grant writing and doing some of those things because it's just like, there's, 
there's so much money. I feel like just like locked in, you know, wherever that center is of like this, you know, right. that, that going to so many like innovative, very cool community things. It just needs, you know, it just needs the right proposal. Uh, but, you know, to, to get it is just sort of tough. And so I'm, you know, I've reached out to so many people and, you know, network is wide and you're casting your nets, but it's, it's exhausting. if like, it's not coming back in the same, <laughs> the same speed. Yeah. And so, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, like, I'm never not for it. Like I'm always wanting to collaborate and work with people. It just, it's, um, yeah, just sort of an ebb and flow as, as cliche as that kind of is but well and you know it's something that is a very unique type of service so it's and it's not necessarily maybe something that people would think of to to seek out i suppose you would say so um and i have a little bit so i don't know if you watch american dad roger the alien america i have his brain yeah (laughs) okay i just like everything is a business idea to me yeah so I, you know, with, with these things that you have available, I, you know, you might want to consider, or maybe would you ever think about doing something like a, um, like an online masterclass or a, or workbook of some kind that you could sort of offer on like Amazon or have a YouTube channel or YouTube videos where you might walk someone through, you know, various different So f- maybe for something that's therapeutic, like here's some things that you can do th- in a therapeutic way, or if you are, you know, maybe create another sort of like a masterclass on like happier life events, the weddings, the graduations, the births, the things like that, that you could, you know, create content or create like workbooks and, and, um, you know, sort of online workshops that can be available, you know, on your website or what have you that people can, can access and can use those, those prompts and those exercises Mm -hmm. that you might be able to offer to people without having to necessarily you be there yourself, right? but that content is available. And those are beautiful ideas. And I think for me, it's, it's the execution. And I, I think what it'll take is getting people to, to help me finish those things off. I mean, obviously if I've, if I've told you I'm a typewriter enthusiast, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Like, the technology is not technology. quite where your wheelhouse is. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm getting better at it, but it's, uh, you know, as someone who's, who's resisted it for a long time for, and it's tough too. So you, you have, you have technology just as it is. And I think for me, I resisted it so long because I saw so many people abuse it. Right. Um, I saw, you know, being a millennial and, and being right kind of, you know, I was born in 91. So right. You, I kind of saw the whole like shift. And I also came from a, a big family where like talking and family time and dinners and all this stuff was like, right. important. and so you see kind of that whole arc and you see the, the wave of change and, not that technology is bad and not that it can't be used for, for good, but I, I saw so many people abuse it. And so that I resisted for so long. And so now I'm just starting to kind of like dip my foot back into it, but it's exhausting for me. So when I make a post on Instagram, you know, and it takes me a half hour, 45 minutes to do that one post. And I'm like, I do this so every you day. need a social right. media manager, basically. Yeah. I need like everything. I need somebody yeah. to help me like, finish my website, like social media. Yeah. And just, like, me in the butt and be like okay this is important people like it just keep talking about it and I'm like oh okay like and and maybe win some traction as you know and I can start to go downhill with it maybe it, uh, pick up you know I mean I think that it's an interesting um it is an interesting thing though that 
I mean, technology is so useful, right? And I, but I, I do understand like it can become very frustrating and things can become very muddled. Like, you know, me again, as someone who's got a business mind, the things that, you know, my algorithms constantly send, like trying to sell me people and their click funnels and, and right. you can be a millionaire if you do this and that. And I'm like, uh -huh. so tired of seeing this. I want to do my own thing. I'm not trying to be somebody else's shill for something. Yeah. So I understand the, the reluctance to jump in there uh, on that you know, point. But I do think that, you know, have just the fact that you have a valuable service to offer and a unique perspective, I do think that there's an audience out there, somebody, you know, the people who will appreciate what you have to offer are going to find you regardless, you know, so it, it's, I, I think that's one of the things that I think as creative people kind of slows us down a little bit, this idea that like, we have to, we have to figure out all the right ways to, you know, you got to be putting things on TikTok and you got to be putting out the content, putting out the content. And it's I, I think that some some of those things can become a little overly done. Right. And and it, it does become too much. I do think that there is still an audience out there for for the creatives who are offering something new and different, who are offering something of value, particularly to people who are seeking out something that is, you know, emotional therapeutic type, um, you know, tools for themselves or, mm -hmm. or creative outlets for themselves. So I, you know, the audience I think is out there for you. Yeah. Certainly. Well, and, so. and I appreciate that. I think it's, it's more of just, uh, you know, it's keeping, <laughs> it's keeping motivation and, and keeping myself inspired. Um, you know, I mean, artists, artists always seem to be in the same boat, whether it's, you know, 500 years ago or today where it's like, it's, it's getting out there, making a name for mm -hmm. you're getting people to appreciate, right. Appreciation of art has always been like uphill, you know, <laughs> um, it's, and it's, it's a strange thing, you know, and, and, you know, talking about how you've seen technology increase, you've also sort of seen the appreciation for art, like certainly in public schools and things like that decrease and, and, and be depleted essentially there's you know there's not a focus on really nurturing creativity in people right and so for you know for creative people i do think that that becomes something that, of a challenge in terms of if it's not you know if society is not necessarily placing an appreciative value on it it is yeah. difficult sometimes to get your name out there but again i do think that in a lot of ways with the advent of the internet, there is a higher appreciation for content creation for, for people who are being creative. You know, people are looking for that because it's not something that is exactly. instilled in us in, in schools or in our upbringing, right? We're, we're looking for that thing because it has been lacking, you yeah. know? So I think that, you know, to some degree works in our favor in terms of just being able to, you know, but the, it, again, it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. So how do you sort of, breaks well, through then, the noise well and then you get yeah i mean saturation itself is is uh you know is a problem to an extent and how a person uh you know pierces through that but you know then you have ai and, and chat gbt now and it's it's very <laughs> i don't know I've, I've resisted using it i haven't even used it because i just like don't even want to see it um because to me it's not even that like it, it can't do it and not that it can't do it well or you know whatever the function will, will end up being but if you think of and I guess I just thought about it kind of just now that 
it's like if we val- if we really value like the human mind, right, the human brain, mm-hmm. right, and we we think of like the human brain as being like the quintessential, like this is the most advanced, progressive, evolved thing, right? And our idea is to keep on evolving it to get better and better as you know humans, as a species, humanity, the earth. Yeah, else. absolutely. Like using AI to the point where our brains are no longer functioning in a way to like. To make new, like we have to be creative or we have to create things by ourselves in order to keep that brain evolving, right? So as soon as we give that like function or that, you know, duty, responsibility over to something else and we stop doing it for ourselves, like we stop, we stop evolving, we stop like going forward. And I just, I feel like that. See, I think of, I I look at AI a little bit differently. I know that that's something that, you know, it is a controversial thing, especially for creative people. But, you know, I mean, first of all, if you look at what AI creates, it it can't replace humans. It's it's still, there's always something about it that's just a little bit off because it's a computer, right? It it, it, it can only operate on what it's fed and who's feeding it. We humans are feeding it. So it it can only be as, as good as what we can give it. I like to see it as being a bit of a tool more for, right. and, and again, it, it does, it does depend on your perspective and how you're using it. Certainly it can be something that sort of might make you mindless or, or not putting in any sort of your own mental or, or intellectual effort. But like, for example, for like the AI art, like I have used AI art programs to generate images that go along with my writing because I don't right. have that art skill and I don't. You know, I would certainly love to be able to hire an illustrator. I would love to have that, you know, money in my pocket to do that. But until such time as that is, you know, my reality, I have to use the tools available to me. So I do think that it it can be something that can be used as a tool to facilitate creativity. You know, if maybe you're someone who is an artist and maybe not necessarily good with words and you don't have someone to collaborate with that's a writer, you can, you know, sort of use ChatGPT as a kind of a, b- a bouncing off point, you know, or, or, or an assistive tool. So, sure. I, you know, that's more, and, and again, I think it, it's all about your perspective of it. Right. And, and, and how you choose to use it individually is, is what's going to, what, what it will be. Right. Well, so it's going to be something different yeah. for everyone. And mine is very, you know, mine is very conservative and like backlashy because again, I'm, I'm resistant tech, right. I'm distrusting of technology anyway. Right. So like, as soon as that came mm-hmm. out, I'm like, Oh, like I had, an existential crisis where I'm like, all right, so I've got AI writing, you know, like I didn't have enough competition before. Now I feel like now you have to compete with AI. Now I have to compete with that. And I guess, you know, for sure, definitely a tool. And I, I love that, you know, that the computer can help you where, yeah, if you can't afford, or if you can't, if you can't find somebody to collaborate with, where you can right. kind of do some more of those things on your own. I think part of what scares me a little bit is just, I think artists can see that it's different. Artists can see that like AI generated stuff is not the same as. as oh no, it's work. all, it's all got, you know, I mean, if you try to do any sort of imagery yeah. that is supposed to look remotely like a human, like the AI cannot figure out human symmetry. It cannot yeah. figure out human, like how many digits you're supposed to have. Like it's not, uh, you know, it, it does not have the ability to work those things out. So it, I, right when yeah. I see that, I just think there's no way AI can replace genuine artists. It just can't because it's yeah. just not able to. I'm just to worried do. about the, like the appetite of it. You know, like if we already have trouble getting people to appreciate art for what it is, sometimes with AI generated stuff, I'm just like, is this what people are going to like, just assume that like, 
this is this is the bulk like the bulk of people who just are not artists or who are not art centric or whatever else like i don't want that to just be what they think is enough or like what they think is i see but again i'm kind of on the opposite side of that coin where i think having this ai imagery and the sort of the uniformity of it but also the um the always being there's something about it that's a little off yeah it's going to it can also add to the appreciation of an actual artist because you will see the different like if you put up the an ai image of a human and an artist's drawing of a human yeah you're gonna be able to spot it right away because the ai just just cannot figure it out so you know and i think a lot of I think a lot of how people are going to view it does depend on, especially creative people, does depend on the perspective we put out about it, right? So, you know, it, it, I, th- I think that's a lot of things in life. Everything is about mindset. Everything is about the belief structure you create for yourself. And Definitely. so if you, if you, you know, you can look at it that way. But, but again, like, I, and I understand that uh, sentiment, but I, you know, in the space that I'm in, in my headspace, trying to like always look for the positive angle on things. No, and I, I enjoy yours much better. And I think I'll take that into account. Because it is. I mean, if you look at it, it's comedic, really. It, yeah. When you look at AI imagery and, and the, the way that this, again, especially with humans or even with animals, you know, if you try to ask AI to create a fox or yeah. whatever, it's all, there's always something not quite right about it. And it is a bit comedic that, you know, AI can't quite figure this out. It's just taking from the things that are out there to try to create it. And it doesn't, it, yeah. it doesn't have the human mind yeah. process. It doesn't have the capacity to, to really fixate on detail. Right. And so if you, if you look at it that way, I think it, it might help people to appreciate more the, the detail orientation and the, the, uh, just the the better quality of right. an actual it, artist because it is it's better quality yeah and maybe it's just a better you know maybe i should just start looking at it as just a, a better template right like it's not meant to right more of a you know, it's a starting point again it's you know it's, again especially for someone like me who doesn't have the drawing skills but i want to have like i want to create imagery to go on like a video reel because again you got you know creating content putting your stuff out there when you're when you're chosen form is words like ours you know how do you do that you got to have audio a lot of people want imagery to go with the audio you know so if you're not going to be on screen yourself on youtube or whatever then what do you use right right so it i do think it is just a tool but it's something to kind of like build up your portfolio i guess you might say but i again obviously our preference as writers is that we would be able to collaborate with an actual artist right and get the better quality work just like i'm sure artists would prefer to collaborate with a writer than to use chat gpt and get the quality of writing right Mm because chat gpt just again is very comedic a lot of times in the way that that it puts out content or information well i appreciate that that lean-in attitude i think um as somebody who's who's kind of shut off and for better for worse sometimes like the political sphere, the government oh. sphere, the, the science mm-hmm. sphere, like all those other spheres where it's like, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to devote all my time to this and all my time to like doing this thing. Um, Cause you sort of have to right? if I want to be an expert, if I want to be the authority on like, okay, this is how you write a poem for somebody like, all right, I got to dig into this. Right. Um, but with that, I think there's a, 
at least for me, there's a vulnerability of feeling like I'm either underestimating or overestimating like science and technology. Like when I first heard about ChatGPT or AI generated images, like I just assumed that it was like perfection, right? And so then I just like tried to like shut it out of my, you yeah. know, no, try to get it out I, of here. <laughs> I think, you know, you do. I mean, everyone has to have a filter so that you can do what, what you're doing to the best mm -hmm. of your capacity. So, you know, you can't just let everything in you know, everyone's got to filter out the the noise of, of what doesn't, yeah. you know, suit you, what doesn't align with your things, but, but you got to get into it. You got to know what it's about. And, um, yeah. And I, again, I do just think that if you use it as a tool, yeah. it can be a way to assist you if you don't have that collaborative relationship in place, but yeah. it does, I think definitely give, especially for creative people, uh, a, a higher value, a higher understanding of the value that there is in that collaboration because chat again, chat GPT is not going to write a poem right? In the same way yeah. that you will. It does. It doesn't have the ability to, you know, it's not thinking about what it's doing. Right. It's like a calculator it just spits out information. Yeah. And that's why I've told people that like, it may have a larger lexicon than I do, but it won't have the same associations and there's no way to like bridge those without, right. without human connection. Because I, again, ultimately, you know, and part of what we've been talking about emotions, ChatGPT and AI art does not have right. the capacity to add emotion into, yeah. into the creative process, right. right? And that is what is always going to be very uniquely human. Yeah. We have emotions and, and passions and thought processes that we put into this. It's not just spitting out created art or created writing just for the sake of it. You know, yeah. there's there's something from your soul that is put into what you create and and AI, you know, is a computer. It it right. does not have that capacity to add that particular kind of energy to creation, to art. And I think that, you know, the more that people see what mm. chat GPT or AI art can create and compare it to. Sure. what a genuine artist creates, you know, I, I think the, the juxtaposition is going to be the, the contrast will just become higher. Yeah. And, you know, so I think if you have that kind of a mindset about it, you can see just, you know, that it is valuable as a tool, mm -hmm. but that it's, that it can also be valuable as a, I'm not sure how you would say it, but just as, as, as something that does help people to see, you have to appreciate artists. You have to appreciate creatives and writers because yeah these you know as much as it's great that this that this is available to people and people can use it to create content it is going to like sort of you know separate the men from the boys for lack of right. a better way to say it you know yeah. it it does give you such a and a a different way to view things you know you think about people who create you know youtube videos or what have you with with it just massively put together stock footage, chat GPT mm -hmm. information, you know, they might be a hot ticket for a hot second, yeah. but they don't have staying power, right? Yeah. Because there's no emotion, there's no creative energy put into it. And I think mm -hmm. people see that. And again, I think that that's something people crave from yeah. creatives is, is that energy and that emotion and that connectivity that you can put into when it's coming from a human, you know? Yeah. Well, well put. I appreciate you indulging me on this tangent. It's probably one I wanted to have for a little while. So. Oh, I know. Uh, me too. Absolutely. I mean, AI is such a big uh, issue, I think. And, and I see so many things, you know, on the internet, uh, in the news of artists that are getting 
really up in arms about it, really upset about it. And I just think you can't fight technology. You can't fight something that's developing all, you know, the best you can do is to try to use it to your advantage in some way. But, you know, I really do think that again, it's something that will help people to see the difference and the stark difference between something that somebody throws together because they can use chat GPT or AI art and they don't really care. They're just trying to put something out there and someone who does really care about what they're creating and, and has a true passion for their craft. You know, I think that it speaks volumes. I think it just, Oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, go ahead. Oh, I just think, yeah. I mean, I, I agree that ultimately it's not, um, it's not a substitute and, and it won't replace it. I think it just, it sucks that whenever anything like this happens over technology, you know, the, the timeline, the timeline for people to realize what it is, is longer mm-hmm. than the timeline that like artists have to like kind of make a living. Right. Like, right. You know, right. Like, Hey, chat GBT, like gets to a certain, you know, pinnacle of, of expertise or whatever. And it can write to a certain, ex- to a certain extent. And then right. All these writers get like laid off. And then, you know, when it starts to pick up or it starts to die down, okay, then, all right, then writers come back and like there's this resurgence of actual art and stuff. But what do you do in the meantime, right? It's it's always like the starving artist. It's like, okay, so now I got to kind of find my way again. Yeah. See, and again, though, I think that's another place where, and sorry, I, I'm not trying to be toxic positivity or oh, anything. Oh, that's, I totally get it. <laughs> but uh, I, it's kind of like, so my mind immediately, I go to the, the whole COVID pandemic, you know, yeah, it was scary. Yeah, it was terrible. But there mm-hmm. were a lot of good things that came out of it in terms of people recognizing that, okay, well, maybe we don't need everyone to be in a nine to five situation where they're always at an office. Maybe it's good right. for you to have a better work life balance. And for people to, to wake up to the idea that there's something else available, there's other things out there, there's other options. Mm-hmm. So in, in the same vein, I think chat GPT AI and, and these things that are Again, they're a hot ticket right now. Yeah. Is it something that is maybe can you know, it, it as artists, how do you use this as a positive challenge to say, okay, well, how do we now come together as artists and find a new way to right. create something of value or to, to to come together in a way where we can support one another in what we create and the value that that we have to add that that AI just doesn't have. Yeah. I don't necessarily know what the answer to that is, you know, but I, I do think, you know, I, I know what you're talking about too, with like the writer's strike and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, is, is there something that writers, creative people can do? How can we come together as a community of creative people to really create something that does allow us to, to, to do this full-time, right? Yeah. To, to full-time be supporting yourself with your creativity I don't necessarily know what the answer is, but I guess that's kind of how I view it is, is it, it's the new challenge. It's the new sort yeah. of obstacle put in your way to sort of force you into creating a new thing, to creating something bigger and better that is, is helpful to the creative community, to everyone. Yeah. It, it's always a opportunity for, you know, for adapting and for pivoting. Um, it's just, and granted that's the, that's the line we chose, right? Because we we find that it's more rewarding to to be in that sphere of of artists and philosophers and thinkers. Mm-hmm. But because of that, we're always the ones that kind of have to solve the problem, right? So you're right. <laughs> you have to be the one to kind of you know, okay, the old way doesn't work anymore. No one wants to use the old way anymore. Yeah. What what do we now need to create to replace it? Right. You know, and how do we keep values and how do we keep all these other things that still need to be there, but in a different 
packaging. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It is a challenge, but I, you know, I, I think again, you know, and maybe just because I'm trying, you know, specifically to be more positive about these things. Because no, I, I, you know, I really appreciate that. Like, cause I can get in a despairing, you know, mindset of it. And it, it is really good to have somebody just tell me, it's like, you know what, just, you know, it's, it's radical acceptance anyway. Right. It's like, I can't change what it is. Anyway. Right. It's Pandora's so, box. It's open. Yeah. It's out there. Well, I got to use it for whatever I can use it for and do better, you know, just do better. So, uh, or whatever that means, but, um, yeah. Well, what else did you want to, sorry. I, I know I kind of steered us. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's totally fine. I think, you know, I do think that it is, it's a valuable conversation to have just yeah. about, you know, for creatives in general, you know, anyone who's, who's got that sort of, entrepreneurial spirit that creative spirit that i you know those of us who don't necessarily like yeah we have to do the nine to five right now while we're trying to figure out how to make this the full-time support but that's not that's not where our soul is that's not where our purpose is you know yeah. and i think a lot of people can relate to that i think there's a lot of people out there who have dreams outside of of societal expectations of what you're supposed to be doing you know yeah so yeah. And if nothing else, you know, Chad GPT and, and all the rest, you know, it, I guess going back to like my, you know, first um, point with it, you know, maybe it, maybe after having this conversation, it's less about a fear of, of replacing it. It's just, I don't want people to stop. I don't want people to stop trying to do art themselves. I just, I find right. how important that is. I, I realized I never really kind of talked about why I started, um, why I started journaling or, being so reflective in the first place. I mean, I, I had older siblings and my, my family was older. So I think I was always kind of exposed to older ideas you know, sure. maybe, yeah. maybe before than I, I would have been as an only child or whatever else. But part of it was a, a situation that I had um, growing up is that I was, I was essentially the, the only child between my mom and dad, they never got married. Um, they were together for seven years before they separated and they both had families beforehand before me. Right. So I had, Oh, okay. both sides and I was like the only like thing kind of like kind know, of an outsider like, a little bit yeah you know I, I felt like the only catalyst and as a you know even as a you know they say that when we're young and children like we were just we're sponges right and we just we mm -hmm. were taking in everything just so intuitively that like yep. it's just surrounding us whether it's you know words or anything because I can't remember like anything that was specifically said but at some point in my life I internalized my existence as like this burden Right. Or it's like right. this like misplaced thing. An afterthought and, sort of, you know, and yeah, and, and because not belonging. I, because I wasn't old enough or mature enough to process it in a normal way and be like, oh no, this isn't true. It's just the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I internalized it for so long and it, it kept on compounding. So that by the time I got to adolescence, to middle school, to being a teenager, and I felt so like shitty, like worthless about myself. I'm like, where did mm -hmm. this come from? And I really had to like just write it out like I had to try to just like keep on like purging you know essentially um onto this page and for some people that's words like it was for me other people it's art other people it's it's whatever else but I found just how valuable it is um and how how singular like that art or something creative is really just one of the few ways to do that for yourself to figure out right to it, figure out what it is about yourself, like to just like find yourself really. And it's just absolutely that's really what started it. So that was, I, I, I noticed that it was helping or I noticed that at least I could understand what was going on in my head and I could process it. 
And that was really the start of like, oh, okay, this makes me feel better. And I think that was, that was really the start of like my poetic life, you know, in a sense and kind of kept it from there. So. Well, and you know, self-expression, I think in our culture is, it's not necessarily encouraged, right? You're encouraged to, to be a drone and a robot more than you are to express your true self and your, and your honest self. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what I love about, you know, kind of the idea you have in terms of, of helping people to express, you know, a, a moment or an event or, or memorialize a person or in a therapeutic way, use this art, because really and truly it is it is how we can express the person that we truly are and peel away those onion layers of, mm -hmm. you know, the, the negative thought processes that are not part of who we are, but that we do absolutely pick up. And especially in childhood mm -hmm. that no one no one was really and and you know it, it's getting better now of course in terms of like mental health and having these conversations yeah, but certainly when when we were growing up yeah it's not as if our parents had the tools available themselves to be no, they didn't. assist and i talk about that a lot where it's like you know there's a lot of and not saying that when you go into therapy like talk about your childhood and you know putting whatever you know responsibilities or or you know uh, lacking on your parents, like not that that's not valid, but it's so hard because I, our generation, especially like is, a, uh, it's almost like the missing link in a lot of ways that like yes. previous generations, like my mom was a baby boomer, you know, she was born in the fifties. It's like, they did not have, they didn't even know what it was right. To be emotionally aware. Like they did not have the, it was all survival mode. And it was I... all survival mode. It's like, yeah. how do you expect anything from that type of person and it's like yeah maybe they weren't supposed to have kids but at the same time that was also what they were taught to do to like fulfill right. life and be happy was to have children and so they just did what they were taught just like we were and so like I you know I, I blame I blame like the past generations like less and less the more that I find where it's especially being a parent where it's like you can only work with so much of what you were given where it's like the rest you just kind of have to like let go and... you do the best you can with the tools and the knowledge that you have at the time and yeah. and it's you know i think you know that is absolutely true the older you get the more that you see like okay you know my parents just weren't taught how to be emotionally intelligent so of yeah. course they weren't able to be emotionally intelligent with me when i needed it you know yeah. they didn't understand that themselves and they were never taught that and that is true i think you know our generation is sort of a bit of a bridge right between mm -hmm. between that mentality and the newer mentality of allowing people to be emotional allowing people to express emotions so that they understand how they feel and they can be a, a healthier whole human you know in in life and and to be more self-expressive and and not necessarily always going with just what you're taught doing what you're taught, not just being a sheep you know yeah. for lack of a better way to say it and the biggest thing is, is questions, you know, even in this, in this conversation where we're, we're asking, you know, each other, you know, questions back and forth, where we're discussing those things. I think that, that if anything, and that is really at the, the center of what I try to do is I try to come up with the, the best questions that I can, it, you know, obviously I let people talk kind of like however they would like, give me as much information as they, as they would like, but I try to prod as, as best I can, um, especially for those, those experiences. Cause honestly, some people have just never been asked those simple questions of like, what was your dream? Like, what would you have liked to have done? What makes right. you truly happy? You know, and even for me, like, 
even if I was to think about how often I've been asked those questions genuinely, you know, by a person who really wants to listen or who really cares right. you know, a handful of times, right? I mean, how often are you asked those questions just about who you are, like at, you know, the heart? Uh, and, and And how often is it, how often are you given space yes to actually and to ponder answer. and consider that yeah and it is absolutely much like a therapy, it is much like a therapy session I, I talk about this too to, to others where it's like you know I've gone into therapy where it's like I am troubled with something I you know it could be that I'm frustrated about somebody cutting me off right on on like the highway like getting there right but as I dig deeper and deeper and deeper and ask more questions. I realize by the end of that hour long session that really this thing, you know, at, you know, like childhood memory or whatever else, or fear of this or fear of that, yep. what is the base of why I am angry today? And yeah. unless you give yourself time or a page to, to continue the roots of those causes, um, that's, that's another uh, exercise that I gave the, the coaches for the, the rehab center was to basically take an emotion or take a feeling that you have and continue to ask yourself why, 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 why you're feeling that way. And to try and get down like as best you can, as close as you can to the root of, mm -hmm. of that emotion, you know, and you'll find that it goes, it keeps going. It's like a radical. It's just Oh, absolutely. It normally goes and back to childhood or, or wherever else, right? So It does. And until you're sort of triggered into the negative emotion, into the upset emotion, you don't mm -hmm. always necessarily realize that there's something that far back behind it yeah. that you need to access and let go of. Like, you know, it's so ingrained in your subconscious, yes. whatever that situation or, or that initial sort of like, where did you learn to feel that way? Yeah. You don't well, necessarily know what it is. You well, just... when it becomes like chicken or egg situation, right? Like extrapolating <laughs> those two things. It's like, I don't know whether I felt shitty or I did this thing that makes me feel like which comes first, you know? And right. I, and once you try to parse those things out, that's, I mean, that's where the real work comes from and, you know, the, the healing, but. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But I do think that, you know, and I'm not, I talk therapy. Absolutely. is is very helpful, but I, I think that it is a hundred percent true that, that creativity and using creativity to express yourself Yes, it can sometimes help you to get out of your head, whether it's yes. writing or art or music, yeah. whatever it is, because when you're stuck in your head on that loop of just being upset in that emotion, you're you're not getting to the source of anything, you know, yeah. and so being able to find a creative way to do that, it, it makes I think it makes that healing process less of a chore. And, and yeah. you can sort of make it more of a game for yourself. And if you can make it a game for yourself, there's something so much easier about accessing those difficult emotions or the difficult roots of, of, of where those are coming from. If you can do it in a creative way where it's, I, I think it, it's, it's a bit more soothing, I think. Yeah. Well, and in, in my experience too, and I, I would, I would venture others as well, um, when you do feel down and it's easy to, um, with everything that's going on and, um, especially, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. especially globally, right? Like I, I am part of every single struggle, you know, in the world at this point, right? I have access to every single struggle that's going on, whether it's starving in Africa or the war in Ukraine and Russia, like I have access to all of it. Right. And right. Oh, on my shoulders, it feels like sometimes if I let it, um, and you know, when you feel so helpless and you can't do anything about it, uh, you do feel like you're just, you're taking up space, right? And so creating something is like, 
I don't know, uh, creating something new and worthwhile and beautiful is like so relieving in that way. And, and it is. And, you know, it's you are adding to the good in the you're world. You're adding. Exactly. You no. Know? Yeah, and it's a, it, it's a way adding. for you to feel like, OK, I can't necessarily fix the problems in Korea. Right. Yeah. But if I can create good in the world and put that energy out, someone will find yeah. that energy and connect with it. And that's, you know, even if it's just one person. That's yeah. one more person that's got a better feeling, better energy, and that's going to affect the people around them. You know, it's it's a it's a ripple effect. Right. Yeah. And so Absolutely. anytime you can do that, you are creating a ripple effect in in the energy of human existence that, that yeah. you know, I think that's something, too, that people sort of don't maybe focus on that much is when you really do truly express your true self and get into that creativity and allow yourself that space to be creative and to put that out there, you are, you are in your own healing. You create healing for others because there's yeah. somebody out there who's going to be able to relate to your story, to your art, to your poetry, to your writing in a way that is going to be helpful to them. And you know, why deprive the world of that? Right. Well, you don't, you don't know who might need your work. It's so reconciling, you know, it's, it's taking, you know, your experience and, and all the things that you may have done and all the mistakes and, and whatever else, right? You can, uh, you know, we can wallow in those all day long, but to take your experience and put it out in the best way that you can, right, is is making up for that in the best way, right? Um, and that's how I've always felt where it's like, I got to make up for being here. And that's not always the greatest way to think about it, but um, it is a it is a motivator where it's like, OK, if I'm going to be here, if I'm going to choose to take another day and all the resources that it takes to keep me alive and all the people that appreciate me and help me, you know, stay here, then I need to get back. And mm -hmm. uh, art is such a great way to do that. So absolutely. I love it. Well, I do want to be respectful of your time. We are at an hour here. So uh, I, yeah, don't, no you know, problem. I do. This has been such a great conversation. I know we've kind of hit a lot of different points, but yeah. I love it. It's been great. I do hope you will come back for another episode. Definitely. Um, but where can people find you? So I want to give you an opportunity to plug yourself, plug your information. Sure, Of course. Um, so uh, website, um, you'll find that definitely needs a, a rendition, but uh, it's just uh, www.inknow.com. Uh, dot com. That's I-N-K-K-N-E-L-L.com. Um, that'll be the website, but uh, trying to post more. So um, I've got a couple different uh, Instagram handles. So ink.nell is um, kind of more my business page, but if you want to read more of my personal poetry that I'll, I'll post more often, uh, that's just S.L. Fisher. Um, okay. Instagram. I'll definitely uh, um, have those also in the description yeah. for folks to yeah. be able to, to click on and jump to. Yeah. But otherwise I love, I mean, just reach out. Um, and whether that's email to, you know, inknell um, uh, at gmail.com, uh, all those things. Uh, I, I love collaboration. So as mm -hmm. as often as I can, I'm, I'm always trying to band artists together and network and always like create something together because I feel like that's the best, best stuff that comes out when, you know, many people are into it. So absolutely support each other, you know, share your audiences, share, you know, share the wealth. I think yeah. that's, that's one of the big things that I always say, there's room for everyone. And I do yeah, believe and thank that. you so much for, for having me today. This has been, it's been great. Um, this talk and thank you uh, for, uh, for being you know. my first guest on no small stories because yeah, really and course. truly there is no <laughs> such thing as a small story. Everyone's sure. individual story is it's big to them and it's big to the people around them. And, and I love what you do because I think it really, it really embodies that idea. You know, everyone has 
a story that's bigger than what you can see on the surface. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I'll definitely be back if you'll have me. So absolutely. I love it. It's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Take care. Yep. Hi again, friends. That was my conversation with Shane Fisher of inknell.com. Do check him out. All the links are in the description for you to visit his website and list his services and see the works that he has done up till now. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode number one of No Small Stories. Remember, no matter how small you start, if you're an artist, a creative, an entrepreneur, a writer, whatever it is you do, your story is always a big deal to us. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, do visit us at our Patreon, patreon.com slash no small stories. Follow us on Instagram, no small stories podcast and uh, also on YouTube as the No Small Stories Podcast. Don't forget to hit like, subscribe, and leave a review. And if you yourself are a creative, we'd love to talk to you. Thanks, friends. Take care.